0: In Luke 22, Jesus tells his disciples to sell their garment and buy a sword. This brings up a question, the question of self-defense. Are Christians allowed to defend themselves? Are they allowed to protect their family? What about being part of the armed forces or the police force? Today, what does the Bible say about self-defense and Christians? Hi, this is Robert Furrow and welcome to Hot Topics. The comment section is open below. We'd love for you to add to the conversation about Christians and self-defense. In Luke 22, 35 through 38, there's this interesting passage where Jesus is telling his disciples that things are going to change. That at one point they were sent out with one pair of sandals and one garment and they were not to take a sword and they were to go to the house of Israel. But now things are going to change. They're about to go through the cross and then the resurrection. And then he says to them, If you don't have a sword, sell a garment and buy one. Now, that's an interesting statement. And for Christians who are pacifists, who don't believe we should ever take up arms or any kind of violence against anyone for any reason, this verse has become a difficult verse for them they tried their best to explain it away. That Jesus was telling them to get a sword so he could be numbered among the transgressors. In other words, that Jesus would tell them to get a sword and transgress so he could be numbered among them. That's not what is being said here. You actually do damage to the text and it's a very poor way to handle scripture. First, let's talk about what this passage really means. Jesus clearly is telling them of the importance of having a sword. A sword was used in their day for self-defense, and they were vulnerable if they didn't have one. This means that they could show it if they were being robbed. This means that they would be able to protect themselves if someone was trying to rob them or attack them. Simply, it would make them less vulnerable as they do the work of the gospel. Now, it's important also to understand that nowhere does the Bible forbid self-defense. Now, I know that that's an argument from silence, but it's important as we look at these other verses. Now, there are a couple of Old Testament passages that give us light on the question of whether or not we can defend ourselves in the Old Testament. I know this is under the law, but we get an idea of how God is thinking. In Exodus 22:2 and 3, it says, If the thief is found breaking in, and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt of bloodshed. If the sun rises on him, there shall be guilt of his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Now, this passage shows us that God understands nuance. That if it's the middle of the night, and a thief breaks in, and he strikes him and kills him, there will be no guilt on him. But if it's the daytime, there will be. This also helps us understand that we can defend our lives, but not our property. If someone's going to steal something, we let them steal it. It's interesting that in most of the United States, it's that way today. If someone's stealing something, you certainly can't kill them. But if your life is threatened, then you could take their life if your life was threatened. And this is a topic that you can't just have black and white on. There has got to be nuance. We get more from the Old Testament in Nehemiah 4.14 as they are rebuilding the wall and it says, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. These are the many enemies that surrounded them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. God is always our ultimate protector, and we are to remember him. And then he says, and fight for the brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. There were enemies around them that didn't want them rebuilding Israel. They were not to go on the attack but they were to defend themselves and fight for their brethren, protect their sons, their daughters, their wives and their houses. We are certainly not to go on the attack, but we can protect our families when someone is threatening them. Now, we have to make a distinction between self-defense when someone's attacking, wanting to hurt us, wanting to take our lives, and self-defense when someone is persecuting us. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 39 through 41, "'But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too.' This is saying that if you are persecuted as a believer and if you are insulted and someone slaps you on the right cheek and turn to them, then turn to them the left. It's not saying if someone is trying to kill you or hit you in the side of the head with a baseball bat or club in their day that you're to turn the other side of your head to them so they can hit you on the other side of the head with a club. He's talking about being insulted for the sake of the gospel. We know that in other places we're told that when we are persecuted, we are to rejoice and to do good to those who persecute us. Now, even when you're being persecuted, it doesn't mean that you can't defend yourself at all. Paul defended himself when he was arrested in Acts 22, 25, and 26. It says, and they bound him with thongs. Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander saying, take care what you do, for this man is a Roman. And they went lighter on Paul because he defended himself. Now, this wasn't physical, and a lot of our defense is not in the physical, but it doesn't mean we can't protect ourselves at certain times. Now, some might say, what about Jesus telling Peter to put his sword away? This is Matthew 26, 52, Jesus is being arrested, and it says, But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Now, Jesus doesn't mean that everybody who picks up a sword or in our day a gun to defend themselves will perish with the sword. He's saying if you kill this man with the sword now, while they are arresting Jesus, then he's going to be put to death by the sword. He's telling him to put it away. He had just finished telling him earlier that evening to take a sword with you, and if you don't have one, sew your cloak and buy a sword. He's certainly not telling him that he couldn't use it to protect himself, but Peter is using it to fight against the authorities who are arresting Jesus it would be like someone who pulls out a gun to protect himself from being arrested or protect someone else around them to be arrested. The police officers have guns and you're most likely going to be shot. We are also told that police and soldiers are given to us as protection and defense, and we get a better idea as to what the sword means. In Romans 13, four, it says, for he is God's minister. This is the person in authority set over in government to protect. For he is God's minister. That means servant to do you good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. This means that you can join the armed forces. This means that you can join the police force. This means you can carry a weapon as a Christian and you can carry a gun as a police officer because you are God's servant to avenge and execute wrath on him who practices evil. There's also the Old Testament passage of the watchman on the wall in the book of Ezekiel. Listen to what it says in Ezekiel 33, 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require of the watchman's hand. This says that a watchman who stands on the wall has the responsibility to warn and protect the people that are underneath them. That if you just stand by and let someone get attacked, there's even a law that if you see this happening, you yourself could be charged because you didn't step up to protect the innocent. Now, Proverbs and Psalms gives us some wisdom in protecting ourselves. Proverbs says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself but the simple passes on and are punished. If you go to any self-defense classes, they're going to tell you to be aware of your surroundings. When you sit down in a restaurant, put your back to a wall. When you're walking down the street, be aware of whoever is around you. And that's what this proverb is saying. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself but the simple passes and perish. Psalms 82.4 says, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. So we have a responsibility as well to protect those who are being taken advantage of if we have the opportunity to be able to do it. Now we see from all of these passages that there is nuance, that you've got to look at the situation and see what's happening. You've got to see if your life is in danger and then protect yourself and your family if it is absolutely necessary. If this hot topic has been a blessing to you, consider liking, sharing, subscribing, and ringing the bell. By doing this, you allow more people to see videos like this. God bless you. We'll see you next time on Hot Topics.